places that rhyme that end with the word C. Boy. Yes. Boy correct. Boise. That really took you too Boise, long, man. Bo- Boise. 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 Si vous êtes française. Welcome to the internet, live from the Marriott Library at the University of Utah. This is the Red Line Podcast. I'm your host, Connor Dunstan, and these are my co-hosts. The Ninth and Ninth Whale and... Alex Fielder. <laughs> Today, it's Connor's deranged rantings about boy C. Thank you. And all of the detestable depredations of transit planning therein. All this after the news. Big news this week for the Santa Clara Valley Transportation Authority, also known as VTA, as they've received authorization to seek up to 50% federal funding on their Silicon Valley BART extension project. The project has drawn sharp criticism due to perceived poor design and cost overruns, and will actually be a future episode topic for precisely those reasons. Regardless, this is a good day for the folks at VTA working to make this happen. Are the cost overruns regular or perceived? What do you mean? You said perceived poor design and cost overruns. I'm trying to be journalistically neutral. Oh, which is where you hedge everything you say with it. Right. I'm not not saying it for sure. With a qualifier, like, for example, perceived (laughs) or alleged. Yeah. So (laughs) it's going to cost a billion dollars a mile. So do you think... What the hell? Do you think those cost overruns are perceived? No. So, yeah, a billion dollars a mile. Why is everything so expensive? Nom, 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 nom. (laughs) America is stupid and filled with dumb... Oh, okay, cool. <laughs> yes, the American Cost Snake ate the Valley Transportation Authority. Great. Those, um, those bite sound effects should sound pretty good. Kyle, can you put in, like, a really annoying blaring siren noise real quick here? Thanks, Alex. Battery train alert! So, due to being perpetually broke, SEPTA and the city of Westchester, Pennsylvania have decided to steady using battery light rail vehicles to connect Westchester Town to the newly opened Wawa Station. <laughs> battery LRV? <laughs> That's right. Uh, so, um, I can... Yeah, so they want to call it... They want to call it the Westchester Metro. Why? <laughs> just for fun? <laughs> just because. Jeez. And uh, it would shuttle between the city of Westchester and Wawa, where SEPTA restored commuter rail service in August. Uh, it would run on an existing commuter rail right-of-way, but SEPTA is too cheap to actually turn that back into regional rail. And just run the trains through? Yeah. Uh, so instead of running the... I'm assuming the commuter trains are diesel. No. SEPTA's regional rail is 100% electric. Oh, cool. So instead of putting the commuter trains in it and putting up wires... They're well, and the reason that would cost more is because for some reason running a non-wired train over the same tracks you're going to use, um, and it's going to be a light rail vehicle instead of a heavy rail vehicle, will only cost $16 million, whereas for some reason restoring conventional rail service would be at least $380 million. What? I d- Are they going to have to, like, dig up and redo all the tracks and all the signals and all the I crossings guess, and put in wires? I guess, but if you put a battery light them? rail train on it, you don't have to do anything. Okay, but why? Because clearly there will be no cost to establishing charging substation for a freaking 
50-ton vehicle. Battery. That's battery crazy. Train. Why battery? Oh, and the better the better part is it would use one-of-a-kind and much cheaper battery-powered light rail class 230 trains. They're going to be paying so one much for maintenance. One of a kind. They're going to be paying so much for maintenance. That's crazy. That's They're going to have to build a whole good. new maintenance facility just for this train. So what's going to happen when the battery train collides with anything? And explodes? It'll Imagine be if the S-Line <laughs> ran on batteries. When oh, somebody, When oh. somebody hits it every other week, it blows up. Yeah. <laughs> and they're planning to run 21 round trips daily with this. With, sure with the timed linear transfer to the regional rail at Wawa. Wawa. So there's regional rail on both ends, and you have to linear transfer twice? No, there's only regional rail on one end. Okay, so it's just an extension. Yeah, on old but regional rail track that SEPTA abandoned in 86. So maybe instead of abandoning this track in 86, we could have just continued running service on it? Well, they didn't have any money, because SEPTA is perpetually broke, so... But they have money for this. Well, because it's quote-unquote very innovation cheap. once you there will be no infrastructure once you ignore all the infrastructure costs it's cheap well when are we can build and the expensive trains? and the expensive one-of-a-kind trains are going to be cheap too sure nuclear trains we already have those but the nuclear is just on the side of the train instead of on the train yeah oh. like in the northeast <laughs> everything's powered by nuclear so it's theoretically the northeast corridor runs nuclear trains uh-huh we, we should have Bill Gates mini mini reactors on trains. Uh, same problem with diesel is you're adding extra weight. It's a really small reaction. Put a fusion mind. reactor in a front runner train. <laughs> <laughs> that went well. Yeah. yeah put, well. The, put the sun on, on the <laughs> train. Yeah, in the train <laughs> yeah. and just use it as like a little rocket out the back. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness. Jet fuel power as the entire force, As the entire mass of the sun attempts to escape the back of the train. <laughs> you're gonna have Actually, to, I think that would probably create a black hole. You're going to have to use the turning tables if you're going to have that sort of propulsion. No, I'll just create two holes. Oh, okay. And like you have one of those like little like, you know, pull it up to let it out and push it down to close it things. <laughs> Septa wishes. Septa would. <laughs> so, anyway, that's your today's battery train alert. As I would like to remind everyone listening to this episode, battery trains are stupid and bad and don't use them. Capiche? Capiche. Capiche. Thank you. You make good. E-car, probably not that terrible. E-car marginal. Um, battery bus, useful in very specific circumstances. Battery train, universally bad. Battery airplane, the worst idea in the history of humanity. <laughs> Vehicle size is inversely correlated with how good of an idea it is to power it with batteries. Yes. Quite straightforward, Literally. yes. Literally. Uh, All yeah. right. So this has been the news. All right, Connor, you tell me this episode's been in the works for over a year. This was going to be the first episode of the Red Line podcast, fun fact, because when I got into when I got into public transportation, I guess, I don't know. And when the advocacy I, thereof. When I have ridden the Red Line for the first several times, I'm like, gee whiz, there sure do be something to this. <laughs> I wonder why we doesn't have this in my hometown of Boise. <laughs> and so I was like, huh. What if we did? What if we did? And then 
then we started a podcast and we were too busy like hating cars and BRT and um, and all the other things we've covered in the first year. Oh yeah, because we're recording today on um, the twenty second. The twenty second, which is I think an anniversary for us of some sort. Probably. But anyway. This was going to be the first episode, and then I was like, hey, we should talk about cars and shit first. Cars bad. Cars bad, it turns out. Yep. Uh, and then I was like, huh, well, I saw this Alan Fisher video on BRT versus light rail, so we should do that also. Uh, and then I was like, ah, oh, gee whiz, light rail, that's basically a streetcar, so we should do that. <laughs> and then it so kind of spiraled from there, and this the never happened. While we've been doing all the somewhat easier and more introductory topics. So yeah. what what made you bring it back, dust it off, and polish it up? Uh, well, for I one, the one num- of those masochistic things that I like to do where I look at uh, my hometown on Google Maps. The number <laughs> the of times way. Connor has made crayons of this is large. I have made several crayons, yeah. And I'll Crayon large. I'll oh, link, I'll link the most recent Boise crayon in the description of the video. I forgot the urbanist jargon of crayon for a minute. Crayoning. Yeah. 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 So, as you can tell, I'm already depressed by this episode. So just be aware of, like, the fun and exciting stuff that's coming at us. Boise is a place that has roads. Yeah. And used to have farmland. Used to have more farmland than it currently has. It's kind of endangered. um, Very much endangered. Via this wonderful thing called suburbanization. But we'll talk to that. So... What is Boise? <laughs> and it is pronounced for you heathenistic in the con- you need to beep the because uh, I'm apparently can't insult people anymore. Anyway, are, are we gonna start every single topic like this? Yes. What, what is, is Boise? Boise <sighs> is pronounced Boise, yep. not boys, Boise, Boise, Boise. Boise or whatever other weird pronunciation you Honor, want to Do I need with. to buy you one of those t-shirts that says Boise on it? I have one of those t-shirts. Do you need another one? No. <laughs> so, what is Boise? Where is Boise? <laughs> how Boise, is Boise? How, Who is Boise? Everyone's is always Boise? asking what is Boise and why is Boise, but never how is Boise. And not the answer is mostly shit. But <laughs> that's not Boise's fault. I'm going to have a fun time bleeping this one. Yeah. So... The Boise metropolitan area is normally referred to by locals as, quote, the Treasure Valley, unquote, (laughs) or just the valley if you're a normal person. Uh, It's bordered on the north and east by the Boise front of the Rocky Mountains and on the west by the Owyhee Mountains or the Owyhee Mountains if you're an old timer. Um, To the southeast, the Snake River Plain continues into the rest of Idaho from whence the Snake River flows, skirting the southwest edge of the valley and then turning north like to form the border with Oregon because Boise the Boise metro is actually really close to Oregon y'all nerds with your river cities or whatever yeah well actually none of the cities are actually on the snake like they're all on the Boise river isn't the snake river super 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 deep Yes. Like, it's pretty much a chasm. It is a canyon most yeah. of the way. I'll have to, I, I've got to take you there sometime. I, f- I found out why the other day. You know Lake Bonneville? Yeah, when it exploded, it carried all the crap with it and carved out the Snake River Canyon. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. Weird. I was very happy to learn that. I yeah. was like, oh, finally. It have didn't just seen, evaporate. Have you ever seen the Snake River Canyon? I, Yeah, I drove through Boise to get to... Uh, 
Seattle. Ah, uh, so you probably got, yeah, so you went over it a couple of times. You didn't go over the coolest part, though. Yeah, probably not, but I, I also couldn't see it. I couldn't see the bottom. Yeah. So, yeah. And then the Boise River also flows kind of down the center of the valley-ish and then sort of skirts north uh, to join the Snake River eventually. It's Any a questions? city with rivers. Yeah, we actually have water, unlike some people. Nerd. Um, I'm curious, why is it called Boise? Ah, great question. So when Boise was, quote, discovered, unquote. John Boise, who was a white man from the East Coast. <laughs> no, there was actually this French guy. His oh. name was, like, Jacques Pierre Francois or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> Stereotypically French name. <laughs> He was, like, supposedly, because if you've ever driven through the Snake River Plain, you understand that there is no more boring place to drive in the entire planet because it's just sagebrush and dirt. Sagebrush? Good plant, though. It is a great plant. Good plant. Great plant. Uh, But it's just sagebrush and dirt, so it's really boring. There's not very much water. But then he comes over this hill, and if you drive into Boise, (laughs) you come over this hill. He comes over this hill, supposedly, and he yells out, Les bois, les bois, which for Fran- in French is the trees, the trees. Because so there's water and trees. There's water and trees. And so supposedly that's where it comes from. I don't know how the sea got ended to it, but Boise. So he had a real Wiggum Young moment. Then. He, he did have a real this is the place moment, yeah. Okay. Discovering <laughs> valleys in the literal middle of nowhere, be like. Yeah, discovering <laughs> verdant valleys in the middle of nowhere. Mm-hmm. Big brain. Huh. So, well, um, thank you, France, for sending over one of your best to discover. Merci, France. <laughs> to you discover know, one of the best of lands. Of course, it wasn't discovered. Rediscovered. It, it wasn't rediscovered. Conquered. There were people living there. Conquered. <laughs> yeah, conquered. Violently. Via plague. Um, conquered so, Frenchly. Yeah, Frenchly. Con- <laughs> conquers Frenchly. That's your name. <laughs> uh, so, in the Treasure Valley, there are one, two, three, four, five. Six, seven, eight major municipalities. Wow, that's a lot. Okay, there's like 40 in the Salt Lake County. So Define major. <laughs> having over 10,000 people. Oh, okay, continue. So, yeah, don't own on us for having not as much administrative redundancy, Kyle. <laughs> um, no, so the main one is obviously Boise. It's about 230,000 people, just about 30,000 people larger than Salt Lake City itself. Ouch. Uh, it's La- kind of... Larger? Larger. Yeah, Salt Lake City has 200,000 people in it. Mm. That live here. I have a Salt Lake complex. You do? Yeah. <laughs> and and Salt Lake Inferiority <laughs> Complex, more Meanwhile, like. Meanwhile, our daytime population be like... Yeah, it'd be like 400,000? I think it's something like that. It's just like double the population, because like 300,000 people that, commute here every day. <laughs> so, that helps know. my ego, my yeah, Salt Lake yeah. ego. Of course, Boise's daytime population, <laughs> it does go burr. Um, <laughs> it's like 400,000 as well. So, Cool. Anyway. anyway, yeah, it's Boise. It's on the sort of eastern end of the valley. It's wedged between the Boise River and the mountains, mostly. There's also some to the south of that, but that's suburban garbage. It doesn't count. So, you know. Um, then in the mid-valley, there are... Oh, and Garden City is kind of this weird little, like, 10,000 people, like, enclave in Boise. It's really weird. It's on Chinden Boulevard. It's it's a whole thing. It it only exists because um, taxes mostly. So like less of them. Yeah, it's basically a tax haven in the middle of Boise. So <sighs> wow. And this is why we can't have nice things. Yeah, it used to be cool apparently, but now it's not. 
And now it's just a tax haven. Yeah. Um, <laughs> All right, what else is there? Then in the Mid-Valley, there are the Mid-Valley cities, which are Meridian, which is a godless 100,000-person suburban sprawlscape, and Eagle, which is a godless 30,000-person sprawlscape, and Cuna, which is a slightly less godless uh, 40,000-person sprawlscape. Because what better that is there to do with um, arable, good-quality farmland than to build low-density housing on it? Yeah. Meridian does look rather large. It's horrible. I <laughs> yeah. mean, look at it on Google Maps, and you will just understand, like, this is the suburban part of, of the Boise metropolitan well, area. They've got, like, mega, mega blocks. Yeah, Boise's built on a... Or the, we have, like our own, quote, plat of Zion, except back in the olden days, the pioneers just laid out one-by-one-mile squares for farming purposes. And, and also and for... That was, like, a standard way of surveying the land. Right, and that's sort of been, like, adopted as the main unit for through streets everywhere, except Nampa. Quote, streets, close quote. Yeah, well, <laughs> strodes, but through strodes. So... That, that's crazy. Yeah, are you it, looking at it on satellite mode? Yeah, um, I, yeah it's pretty it horrific, satellite. right? It's I can see, I can see it just chomping away at the farmland. It is bit literally. by bit. So, oh, gee, oh, oh. Yeah. it looks like a bad maze that like it a is, kid drew. Yeah, it's terrible. Jeez. Uh, and then in Canyon County, there are two of the cities that actually existed before suburbanization. Uh, that would be Nampa, which is my hometown. It's about 100,000-odd people. Through the magic of sprawl. Yeah. It is the second longest, or the third longest running city. The oldest city in the Boise Valley is, you'll never guess, Boise. Whoa. The second Whoa. oldest is Caldwell, and that's the, like the, far, the furthest west city. And then Nampa's there also. And, yeah. So Caldwell and Nampa, those are Canyon County. And then all the other ones are Ada County. So there's two counties. What about all the other counties? Because there's definitely more. I've seen the license plates. Well, yeah, but those are in other places. I mean, I guess you could say Owyhee County is technically part, but, like, literally 6,000 people live in that entire county. Gotcha. That seems to complicate things, I imagine. A little bit, yes. It does make regional planning interesting. The the county split. Instead of having, like, you know, in Salt Lake County, all the regional planning is done by Salt Lake County. In Utah County, all the regional planning is done by Utah County. Uh, we have this thing called Compass, which is the Community Planning Association of Southwestern Idaho or something. Um, that's that's a, sure is a backronym. <laughs> it's really a backronym. Uh, you can tell they really wanted to say Compass. But um, <laughs> they do, like, non-binding planning. <laughs> so, so Connor, we do non-binding planning. <laughs> so, yeah. So not planning, then. Yes, okay. not planning. Um, unlike Salt Lake, the Treasure Valley has only one major freeway, Interstate 84. It runs east to west through the valley, then splits off at the Flying Y to continue east and south. And then I-84, which is called the connector because it connects the freeway to downtown. Crazy. Um, I know. Very, very original. So why hasn't this area built five parallel urban freeways? Oh, boy. So... Now you've gotten into Idaho politics. Thank you. Another (laughs) subject of which I am an expert. So Idaho, (laughs) the legislature likes to pretend Boise doesn't exist. Because blue city in a red state. Purple city in a red state. Well, it likes to pretend that the metropolitan area doesn't exist, including the very, very red areas of Canyon County. Isn't that like most of the voter base? Right. And so 
so when Boise's growth started to take off about 1990, because you have to understand, Boise has about 800,000 people today in the metropolitan area. In 1990, there were less than 400,000. That is Whoa. a big growth very fast. Big boom. Like, and, you know, by the end of this century, there will be 3 million. Whew. That seems um, excessive. It's, it's fast, right? Yeah. So... The Idaho legislature, a lot of the people were, you know, in there in 1990 <laughs> and are still in there. And, like, a lot of the same power structures, and they're all farmers and shit. So when this growth starts to happen, they're just like, what? Like, not to de- degrade farm- not to degrade farmers in any way. They're very smart people, and they work very hard job. But, but like, they're not thinking in the context of the resident of an urbanized area. They're thinking in the context of, I'm farming. Right. So <laughs> what, what we did in Idaho, instead of planning for future growth, is we just didn't. Ah. Like, I kid you not, the freeway between Caldwell and Nampa is still two lanes in each direction. They are expanding it right now. Because really? Because it's, it's never been expanded. And this is in, this is in a county where there are 250,000 people. So Udot's like or not well, two hundred two hundred thousand people. Udot's point of the mountain is like six lanes each direction. So could this short sightedness and lack of planning be a saving grace? We're gonna be talking about it. it. It might actually be because the thing about Boise is that it never really got urban renewal in the same way that a lot of cities did. I mean, it's sure downtown got turned into a parking crater, but nobody drove a freeway straight through the middle of it. Which is really good, actually, and something I wish we had in Salt Lake. Like, you get a freeway that goes into it, but nobody ever was like, Through. "Hmm, Downtown, we're going to build a loop around that sucker and uh, choke it. This sounds like a very unique Idaho problem. Right, and just, like, the leaders in the state never planned for any growth because Boise is not the place you would have expected to become a major catalyst of growth. Back when it's like 1980, right? Because it's just like farming or whatever. I yeah, don't know. So anyway, yeah, there's one one freeway. That's it. And it's at its widest, it's like five lanes, but that's only on the approach to the Flying Y. Most of the way, it's like three, four at most. We it's not big. And it can't really be expanded. Why not? Because then you would have to tear down houses, and that's very expensive, and Idaho has no money because the legislature refuses to levy taxes because they're so red. <laughs> <laughs> like... We are yearly running like a $200 million deficit in terms of roads. How does a city even work in this place? We're going to get into it. Um, the freeway turns into a parking lot. Yeah. But, oh, <laughs> yeah, you've never seen traffic till you've seen I-84 on a weekday. Then I don't know. Good luck from there. But, like, <laughs> the traffic I've seen here pales in comparison. But... Um, other major east-west arteries are Fairview and Cherry Road, which are the same road. They just changed names halfway through. And then uh, Franklin, which runs next to the freeway like a mile over because, you know, mile grid. I don't, I don't like the sound of this mile grid. I don't either. That is huge. It's actually pretty good for bus service if you think about it. Yeah, but or I don't... Or it could be made good for bus service. What about through connectivity for pedestrians and cyclists? Sucks. <laughs> it's already built. Um, Great. Yes. Yeah. Can yeah. we have secret, like, gnome tunnels going between, <laughs> tunnels. like, people's hedges? I don't know, man. Because, like, even Salt Lake's... Even suburban Salt Lake has, like, the the mile between north-south. I mean, east-west through routes. But then the north-south through routes are a lot tighter packed. So it's like an asymmetric grid that's denser than this. Yeah. Sucks. 
Okay, so cool. So we're stuck with a hand. We we've got, out we've got what we've okay. got, and you got to deal with it because, you know. <sighs> anyway, is, that is some so, car planning if I've ever seen some. Right. So as we've discussed, um, Boise, the metropolitan area, currently has just over eight hundred thousand people. Uh, it is expected to surpass one million as soon as like twenty twenty seven. Uh, and by 2040, there will be a million and a half. So we get everybody a million dollar detached house on a half acre plot and three cars. Literally. Uh, are they going to take <laughs> our house seat from Salt Lake with the next census? Because they better Idaho not. Idaho will probably get another seat, but it's not going to be ours. Because we're also growing. Although they might not be able in Idaho to gerrymander that one into a non-purple seat just ha. because there isn't enough population outside the valley. See, I, I want I want a fifth seat for Utah. Yeah, we'll see about it. But anyway, uh, and as I just said, by the end of the century, there will be at least 2.7 million people in the Treasure Valley, which for scale is the current population of the Portland metropolitan area and the greater metropolitan statistical area of Salt Lake, also known as the Wasatch Front. <gasps> as as a former president might have said, huge. And this is this is this is problem with current car dependent suburban development model, but it could be made to not be too much of a problem by building houses on top of each other. We're not to that part yet. We got to uh, discuss how terrible it is first. Okay, so how cool. terrible is it? Good, 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 good question. So, for such a small freeway with relatively little freeway infrastructure, Boise has some truly nasty traffic. Uh, so, if you're if you're listening from Boise, you'll understand what I mean. So, it is almost impossible to drive west to east on the freeway in the morning between like six and ten without getting clogged up for at least like an extra twenty minutes. Um, and even worse in the opposite direction. And, like, it's not just the freeway. Like, all the surface streets that run east-west Because everybody else also had this idea. Because they're like, oh, damn, the freeway is so, uh, you know, congested today. Let's go over to Fairview. Oh, look at that. That's so congested. Let's go to Eustick. Oh, look at that. That's so congested. Let's go over to Veterans Memorial. Oh, that's so congested. Let's go over to Highway 30. Like... Huh. <laughs> it's not good. Cars being space inefficient be like. Yeah. Um, commutes from Caldwell, which is, as I said, the furthest west city, to Boise uh, are expected to grow from about 40 minutes today to over an hour by 2040. So how, how many <laughs> over miles hour. is this? Uh, about 20-ish. Ooh. Ooh. 20-ish, yeah. Mm. So, um... The specific numbers here are 62 minutes by 2035 and 70 minutes by 2040. And Ooh. the widening to three lanes that they're doing in Canyon County right now is expected to ease that to about 55 minutes. But with current Huge population growth, but with current population growth trends, that's unlikely to actually help. Great. Because so, Cal- Nampa and Caldwell are just like... So it's currently averaging like 30 miles an hour on a grade separated freeway on a good day on a good day on a good day 40 minutes is a good day so speaking of easy to beat with a single surface light rail line yeah um (laughs) uh yeah and then like i said it's basically impossible to expand i-84 much further in ada county because 
there's houses and you'd have to pay a lot of money to remove the houses. You'd have to pay a lot of money to remove the houses. And Idaho's never been very good about that. Also, our freeway is not elevated or dug down like most major freeways are. It is a surface freeway. It's it's only on the surface. We have bridges for all the things. Ooh, so you might have to redo some bridges too. You'd have to redo all the bridges. You'd have to redo basically everything if you want to expand the freeway. Wow. So basically, it's not happening. Yeah, it's not going to happen, especially since the federal government doesn't just like shovel out money for new freeway infrastructure like it used to. Like they still they'll still give you a lot, but they won't like pay for most of it anymore. Isn't it usually you just get your like transportation investment fund or whatever, and then I don't know, good luck. Good luck. So <laughs> you know, even though freeway widening doesn't work, it can kinda help temporarily, but there isn't really the option to do that. But it would <laughs> work in Boise, right? Because Boi- Boise Boise's is a, different. Boise's the exception. Yeah, Boise yeah. is the exception. Sweet. Just one um, more lane, bro. Yeah. Um also, you know you notice how we discussed those mountains earlier? Yeah. So so to the east there's the Boise front, and to the north there's the Boise front, and to the west there's the Oahis, and to the south. It's kind of like the land gradually rises. Are you meaning to suggest that this model of suburban stru- sprawl is not fit to continue? Well, we get these things called inversions. Oh! <laughs> I, would, which, I would know something about that. Which might be familiar to residents of Salt Lake City, Portland, yep. Oregon, uh, L.A., Mexico City, any other city in a low-lying topographical area surrounded by higher topographical areas. It's a like a bowl. bowl. A big bowl. It's like a bowl that sometimes when the weather decides holds all the smog in. So we yeah. can suffer the consequences of our actions. So um, <laughs> Boise has the same uh, air problem as Salt Lake City. <laughs> great. <laughs> like, exactly. We picked some great places. Well, I mean, the places are fine. I mean, they're objectively the most habitable. It's just we decided we're going to drive... CO2 machines around them. So, so well, we, and, and, and particulate matter and, and nitrous oxide. <laughs> well, so we're going to do mountain removal? Oh, <laughs> good plan. Then we can scroll more, too. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And then we can have materials for our spool. Yeah. And then it's like fan. It Like the wind comes in now and blows us out. Reverse windmill, ventilate the valley. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, so. The point is, car dependency not working out so great for Boise. Is shooting Boise in both feet. And I cannot emphasize this already. Like, we have less than a million people, and we have world-class traffic and air pollution already. So imagine, like, you know, when we get to Salt Lake City's level of air pollution, and then when we get to the entire Portland metro area's level of pollution in, you know, one inversion bowl. Oh. Sounds like awesome. Sounds great. Sounds like I want to move to Boise. Yeah, so as a transit podcast, what would you say the best solution to Electric this cars. Is? The good answer. How about you? Electric battery buses. Oh, yes. So so Boise needs, you know... Lots of electric cars, especially the semi-autonomous ones that sometimes run over motorcyclists. Yes. We need to get rid of all the farmland. Yes. All of it, 100%. Oh, and we'll discuss that later because I want to talk about an urban growth boundary. Um, but Boise needs public transportation, right? Needs the, in the, the... only way to get rid of, you know, the massive amounts of congestion is to have people not driving. Yes? Seems like And freeway expansion, but yeah. Yeah. Oh, okay. uh, and autonomous <laughs> electric cars that drive... Right. 
to 20 feet apart from each other. Yes, Kyle, and definitely will not crash and kill everyone every three days. No, they don't make mistakes. Uh, yes, <laughs> except when they do. <laughs> Human drivers are bad enough. Um, <sighs> so, Boise needs transit, right? We, we just need... Like, we literally, need physically need it to get the mobility you need. Because it's becoming an issue already. Like, there isn't space for the cars. And like, in Salt Lake City, they, we have been able to temporarily build our way out of congestion through sheer brute force by building five parallel freeways, which are each, like, six and lanes. we're still working on them. Yeah. Yep. Like, because there's just been hundreds of billions of dollars invested into freeways here, and that's just never been a reality that can happen yeah. in Idaho. There has been historical transit in Bo- Boise, right? We did talk That's about right. this. That's right. We have talked about this before. So when we talked about streetcars, we talked about this, actually. Uh, so starting in 1891, the year after Idaho became a state, there was streetcar service in Canyon and Ada counties. The system eventually expanded to a degree that one could take an interurban train to nearly any point in the valley. And, you know, this was at a time when there were 60,000 people living in the Treasure Valley. So... And they were able to, you know, afford streetcars. They were able to afford interurban lines, yeah. Um, the famous loop, actually. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah, because there, there are two major arteries in the valley, right? There's Highway 30, which is on the north end, and that's kind of, like, not as big a deal, but it's still a big deal. And then there's I-84 on the south end. It used to basically, like, parallel those two routes and there, thereby catch all the cities. <laughs> Seems like a good idea. Yeah. yeah. And it was actually pretty popular. Like people would just ride it, understandable. Around the circle. And then um, in 1920, that was the best year for the Boise Valley Light and Traction Company. Uh, they carried over 2.5 million passengers, which is almost two and a half times as many people as ride Valley Regional Transit in a year. <laughs> and this was at a time when the population was about 75,000. Yeah, so uh, for per capita basis, that's about 34 trips per capita versus today's 1.5-ish. That 1.5-ish. Salt Lake City, uh, for the record, does almost like 20. So Cool. 20 trips per capita. Per year, yeah. The, for the metro, obviously. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. So I bet it's better in Salt Lake it's City. It's probably better in Salt Lake City. So, not great. And then if you consider that people were probably just walking if they weren't on the streetcar at the time. Because this um, was back in the day when you could, when things were close together. Yeah. Um, but we did have probably the fastest downfall of any streetcars. Um, <laughs> <laughs> wow. Service, really scraping for a prize. Service peaked in uh, 1920, and the streetcars were gone by 28. Like, all of them. That was <laughs> fast. Was fast, right? Yeah. So, like, even in Salt Lake, the streetcars weren't scrapped till the 40s. That was fast. Yeah, very fast. Uh, buses continued, sort of, under private and then city ownership until 1998, when the Idaho legislature passed an act allowing cities to create and join transit authorities. And then over the next several years, Valley Regional Transit took over bus operations throughout the valley, and they've been charged ever since. Boise, being uh, 28 years behind Salt Lake City since whenever. Oh, and many more years behind a lot of other places, yeah. Yeah. Hmm. So... Let's discuss the current public transportation system of the Boise Metropolitan Oh, yeah, area. don't they have the weird underground bus hub? Well, we'll, we'll get to that. We're going to talk about the sad part first. Oh, okay. Because <laughs> that's the only, that's really the only, like, bright spot. The only notable thing. Yeah. So they have some poor people buses, don't they? 
they have some very poor people buses yeah um and then i wrote as like a as a subtitle under current system uh, verdict colon just sad so if you want to think in terms of scale of a system you may be familiar with if you're from utah uh, Boise's transit system is about the same size as Cache Valley's. Ooh. Are they, are, <laughs> actually? Yeah. But Cache Valley's a little baby college town. So a they baby run transit system. They run like 25 routes. Um, most of them run 30 minutes during peak hours and every 60 minutes during off-peak hours. Ooh. Um, only one, Route 9 on State Street, of runs course. anything resembling frequent service. 15 minutes during peak hours. Wow. Uh, 30 minutes during off peak. Uh, um, they generally only run 11 or 12 hours oh. a day. <laughs> and as far as I can tell, none runs later than about 10 o'clock or earlier than about 5 o'clock. I, gu- I guess we're a bit spoiled with our 20-hour span of service on some routes. Yeah. Um, there is essentially no service in Meridian or Eagle. There's only one dedicated route in Meridian, which is new. It's called the 30. It runs four times per direction per day. Talk about useless. Yeah. <laughs> um, so there's basically no service in Meridian or Eagle. Literally no service in CUNA, which once again, 40,000 people. Uh, and That's unjust. Yeah. And then... Um, Four infrequent commuter routes for the entire T of 200,000 people in Canyon County. Wow. I'm sure those buses can carry multiple hundreds of people per day if people actually wanted to ride them. You want to know what frequency those run on? (sighs) How many trips out and back? Let's see. I believe that the 40, which is the most frequent, does 11. More than I expected for the low-frequency commuter route. In a day. I mean, if the span of service is only like Wait, 11 let hours... Wait, let me look this up. Let me look this up. I can look it up on my phone. Hold on. On transit We're going to see... Yeah, because I can go over to Boise <laughs> and look at frequencies real quick. So, from Boy- from Canyon County to Boise, you have Route 40, Route 45, Route 43, and Route 42. Route 40 runs uh, six times a day per direction. Oof. Three in the morning, three in the evening. Uh, route 42 runs at 829, 929, 1129, 125, 330, 430, 530, 630, and 730. So that's 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9. Nine trips per direction per day. I bet there's a huge overlap between people with 9 to 5 office jobs and people who literally cannot afford a car. Yes. Um, and then the 45, which is the BSU Express, uh, Ooh, runs... a famously high-quality university. Twice per direction per day. Ooh. And then the 43 runs once per direction per day. <laughs> what? Yeah, it's, a, it's the interstate express. What oh, good geez. does that do anybody? Not much. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, that's the Boise system. If you, if you miss it, start walking. If you miss it, start walking. Yeah, it might be faster. Um, probably would be. <laughs> and then even within the densest parts of Boise, service is very limited and infrequent. Woo! Oh, and it gets better because there used to be three bus routes just in Canyon County, right? To ser- Like well, local service. Local service. Well, actually, there used to be five. And then and there they were cut three. cut that to three. And then now they cut it entirely and it has been replaced with, you'll never guess what. Ooh, ooh, ooh. Um, ooh. Ooh, on demand. On demand. Which is 
literally useless as opposed to a once a day bus, which is figuratively useless. useless. <laughs> I mean, if you can catch it, it's nice. Unlike but, the on-demand, you know, which The bad you thing can't. about the buses that it replaced is that they weren't that bad on frequency. Like, they were mostly 30 minutes. Wait, what? So, so peak hours, obviously. Okay, so we've gone from usable with careful planning to literally unusable. Yes. If you need to get somewhere Especially since reliably. you need to catch the once every two hour bus to Boise or whatever. Oh, wow. And you might just straight up completely miss that because you're taking you on demand. Wait two hours, yeah. Which is not a reliable way of getting anywhere. So, Great. um... Don't they, didn't you tell me they run their 40-foot buses in on-demand? Yeah, they couldn't afford, like, little vehicles for the on-demand, so they just used the buses they used to use on the on the Canyon <laughs> County routes to run their on-demand service with. <laughs> Seriously? There is one highlight of the system, actually, kind of miraculously. So, Boise somehow managed to finance a $110 million underground bus station for downtown. Are we sure this is the best use of available capital funds? It's nice enough. Yeah. Uh, it's situated under the Grove Plaza, which is kind of like... A plaza. Is that like Galvin Center? Galvin, yeah, it's a Galvin, Galvin Center equivalent of Boise. Like yeah. the biggest central plaza. It's the business, heart of the business district. It's got like five benches and this weird grass outdoor oh, theater. It's, it's pretty nice. Yeah, it's um, probably nice. There's Galvin. a lot. There's actually like stuff there on like on Galvin Spooky. Plaza. Spooky. <laughs> wow. So, and the, and the Boise thoughts. Convention Center is there. Wow. The Zion's Bank building, the Wells Fargo building. So it's 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 at the center of downtown. Wells Fargo building? The other Wells you Fargo building. Everyone has a Wells Fargo building. <sighs> is it the tallest in Bo- Boise? No, the Zion's <laughs> Bank building is the tallest. <laughs> Ooh, sounds like a fight. That's yeah, quality. Yeah, uh, so it's pretty neat, um, actually. I tried to go there. I couldn't make it. But it's got, you know, some places on the surface, which is like a BRT-looking stop that they have next to it. And then there's a whole bunch of spaces underground as well. And they got, like, ticket machines, actually. And they have customer service and lost and founds down there. So it's pretty neat. That's cool. Um, It's basically the only place you can ride transit with dignity in the valley. Um, No offense to BRT. And there's a lot of time transfers there. Makes because, sense. Because basically every bus, with the exception of like end of lines there, three end of lines there, that makes and the sense. rest end of line at the mall, except one which doesn't. <laughs> cool. So this is the only actually nice thing in the entire system. That's right, and it's it is pretty nice. I'll say that it's nice. Cool. Um, how's biking in Boise? Ah, you see, and I didn't actually put a section in this, but I knew it was going to be an important thing. So Boise is actually a really big biking city. Because you've told me about their recreational paths. Well, it's not really a recreational path. Like, the green belt we have is this thing that basically runs along both sides of the Boise River for most of its length through Boise. Cool. You kind of have this bike superhighway through the entire city. And then there's your general, like, painted lanes and neighborhood greenways and such other things. But it's it's a relatively bikeable city. That's cool. And it used to have green bike funded by VRT. Aw. But then the pandemic killed that. Did lots of people bike around... It has a lot higher bike mode share than it has bike transit share. I'll say that. Okay. There you go. <laughs> That's about all I can say. Um, basically, if you want to live car free, you got to be downtown. And then ride your you bike somewhere bike, else in downtown. You or can bike and you can catch the infrequent bus, but you got to be able to live and work in the same place because there's no way you're catching a bus to work. And <sighs> biking to work, not easy. Well. Always. You know. 
And then, of course, you know, we get poor ridership off this because it's unfortunately it's crappy service. It's like literal uh, garbage. Yeah, pre-pandemic, VRT was doing about 1.3 million a, re- a year, which is just over one and a half trips per capita. Wow. Jeez. Yeah. How much money do they get? Like 10? Oh. Ho, ho, ho. <laughs> so, um, let's go. Let's go to the agency profile real quick. Oh yeah. So. Yeah. What's how much? How much do you think their operating budget is? Our total operating expenditures. The second thing, um, forty million. No, fifteen million dollars. <laughs> so fifteen million dollars, which is like twenty bucks per person living in the metro area. If you if you hash it out, um, fifty two point eight percent of their funding comes from the city of Boise. <laughs> like so, the city pays for the majority of. Of transit, uh, five point eight million. So that's so that's eight point two one eight million dollars comes from the city of Boise, mm-hmm. and then five point eight million dollars comes from the federal government, and then the remaining one point two million comes from fares. There's no like state funding. Idaho does not fund transit at all, and it is the only um. state that does not do so. No wonder they can't run very much bus service because they have no money. Well, and it gets better because Idaho has a law against localities levying their own sales tax. So VRT cannot levy a sales tax to improve service and what? raise funds. Are they there are any not like, allowed to by law. Are there like any other taxes they could they use? They are not allowed to by law. What? Was because this? that's big government. Oh, big geez. government using taxes to fund service. Yes, yeah, service, as we've discussed. <laughs> it just doesn't seem like any anything should work in it's Boise. It's huge. It's a, it's a, it is a mid-sized city with the transit system of, like, a 50,000-person city. See Great Falls. Yeah, see Great, Great Falls, unironically, has better bus service than Boise, Idaho. They're probably better funded, too. Oh, I should also mention that no buses in Boise run on Sundays. For it is the day of the Lord, and thou shalt walk to church. And only four run on Saturday. For it is Ooh. the day before the day of the Lord, <laughs> and thou shalt vibe. Not go anywhere you want to, because why would you? So it's it's really not good. Um, well, I'm glad that cars are working out so great for the Boise metro area, and I'm glad we're continuing to invest in them uh, because they're working so great and not causing any problems at all. Yes. And they're definitely a scalable solution. So um, Boise has actually had to cut routes before because they couldn't make enough fare revenue off of them. Like, I, I cannot describe how cash-strapped VRT standard, is. Standard death spiral of fare income. Literally. Oh, jeez. So, Fifteen million. I'm impressed that they're running as much service as they are off of that. Uh, it's a tight budget. Well, considering they have eleven to twelve hour span of service. Yeah. Are these good union jobs or no? Idaho is a right to work state. Woo! Does that mean unions aren't allowed? That means unions are allowed, but you don't. You can't have to be jo- forced to join. You don't them. have no. to join so effectively. Um, um, we're we're um, Utah. Utah. Silly right to work. Does Utah have that too? Yep. Yeah, yep. but ENTU is powerful enough it was able to effectively organize UTA. But and Idaho is a whole different story because most people there are actively anti union. We love doing Woo. our best to declaw unions because we Boo, don't want to pay. Boo labor people. rights. Boo. Yeah, as a laborer I despise getting money and night a nice schedule. 
Yeah. yeah. I hate money. So money is much. gay. That's why I work at the library. <laughs> we mm. should we should trickle up economics. <laughs> <laughs> oh wait, that's how it already works. Yep. Pipeline up economics, not trickle uh. up economics. <laughs> Waterfall. Waterfall. Up. Yeah. <laughs> Reverse waterfall economics, I like to yeah. call it. <laughs> so Transit in Boise, it's a mess, trademark. Barely exists. Yeah. So the cars aren't working. The transit is legally uh, forced to be underfunded. Um, the bicycling <laughs> is uh, very working on it. Uh, the square mile grid is making things harder. Oh, the freeway no, can't be expanded. And Unfortunately. What do we do? We're going to build a streetcar. <laughs> I bet you weren't expecting that. Get wrecked. Boise wait, wait. actually wants a streetcar. So who's building the streetcar? Though? The like, city, uh, where's the money coming from? Well, they're not building a streetcar anymore because M- Mayor McLean has a you know head on her shoulders, unlike the previous mayor. So literally since like 2012, Boise wanted to build it. The mayor of Boise, I can't remember his the name. Former because I don't mayor care. of Boise. Former mayor of Boise wanted to build this streetcar. Looks like a T, <laughs> right? Oh, T my for bad. transit. Get it? That's they were going to call it the T. Oh. Wait, so did did they come up with the name after designing it or did they design it around the name? <laughs> best, <laughs> your best bet's mine because that is a horrible alignment. Are we sure this is the most useful loop configuration? That is the least useful loop like configuration. Why, why are stops one block apart? Why can't it be a square? Well, and these are Boise, these are not Salt Lake City blocks. So these are Boise blocks. These are like 200, 300 feet. Why not follow like this road and like come into here? Why and, would like, you want to active actively serve more things than just wait, the so university that's and the four eight twelve blocks to that's like a mile? Question mark. It was gonna be two miles long. But running it's all length. folded up like that. Two miles is like the running length. Because it's because most of it's a loop, so, yeah, like, so you're that's gonna a go unidirectional loop. Two miles. Yeah. That is like a Covering what's like a pedestrian accelerator is, I believe, the technical term. Yeah, and this was Boise's big plan to revolutionize transit for like ten years. Was um, we're gonna build a hundred million dollar streetcar and that'll solve our transit problems. Maybe this should be kicked down the road. And you'll never guess what the estimated ridership on it was. Five. Fourteen hundred people a day. For hundred and eleven million dollars. And I mean like that's that's fine, but like also this transit project is not a transit project. It has no utility except for Boise State students trying to go downtown. See, I, I don't see... Why is a, a, a label point of interest just called Jump? Uh, that's actually a big thing. It's a convention center. It's called Jack's Urban Meeting Place. Okay, so it's not a trampoline These park. These flipping no. okay. acronyms. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so, no, so Jump is actually a big deal. What's Bodo? <laughs> that's just... Or is that Boco? That's Bodo. It means Boise downtown. Oh, my Ooh. goodness. That, that's the official intersection of downtown Boise. That That's considered the center. Bodo. Yeah, and then over here we got such interesting point of interest <laughs> as downtown core, grocery row. <laughs> <laughs> the courthouse. Yeah. Um, 
So Bronco Stadium. Probably yeah, not an actually useful project. I don't know why they didn't take it to Bronco Stadium. Well, that may have like quadrupled <laughs> that, ridership right there. That's yeah. what I'm confused about. Because like Bo- Boise State is a big deal in Boise, so because there's nothing else to do. <laughs> so not actually a useful project. No, very bad and very stupid. And thankfully Mayor McLean has put the kibosh on this because she's not stupid. Did, oh, crazy. Did they invest lots of money already in like uh, EIS? Probably like a million dollars in studies uh, and crap okay. like that. Well, that's so not standard. too bad. Okay. Um, yeah. Any other doomed to fail plans or any good no, ones? No, that's that's their one doomed to fail plan because you know Boise is incredibly unthinking about this most of the time. So what if VTA However, got a bunch of state and federal money and that would be VRT. Sorry, VRT. <laughs> well, they have done one thing recently, and they're trying to make the State Street bus that runs 15 minutes during peak hours a yeah. VRT light. And that's so like painted big... bus lanes? No. So what? Stop improvements. Oh, okay. So stop improvements. But if they paint it in BRT clothes, they can get daddy government money for it? Well, they already did get daddy government money, so they're calling it BRT mixed traffic now, is what the project's called. So so this gets us into uh, compasses. Once again, we have, <sighs> we have arrived at Compass. Let, let me make sure that I'm that it is actually the Community Planning Association. What is it? Uh yeah, the Community Planning Association of Southwest Idaho. So in 2020, they came out with this study called the Treasure Valley High Capacity Transit Study. In which, what did they study? High Capacity Transit and in the Treasure is, Valley. What does that mean exactly, high capacity transit? What do you think it means? I'm guessing it means 40-foot buses running every 10 minutes. It means BRT, it means light rail, and it means commuter rail. They studied oh, They okay. studied BRT, they studied light rail, and they studied commuter rail because all right, all right. there As is, like, one person in the Idaho government who is thinking about these massive issues, and they were like, hmm, let's do a study on that. Okay, good, cool, great. And this like, is, I have read the entire study because... Naturally. Naturally. Yeah. Uh And, you know, it it runs down the different scenarios for what you could do. It runs down predicted job, and that's that's population growth. That's job growth. Uh, Here they're talking, like, defining all the different... Yeah, it it has a picture (laughs) of uh, tracks in it, for an example. It has a picture of Portland's West, for some reason, as commuter rail. The West Side Express Service, their weird-ass commuter rail. <laughs> I don't know why you didn't go with Frontrunner, because that's, that's weird, definitely yeah. what you're going to be doing. Okay. Uh, and it shows, like, you know, regional transit operators, like, for some reason, it does not list SkyTrain. Like, so regional transit operators, right? It has Eugene, Oregon, bus rapid transit exclusive. That is true. Portland, Oregon, it has bus rapid transit mixed traffic, also known as the FX. Uh, commuter rail, the West... Light Rail, the Max, Vancouver, Washington, it has bus rapid transit. <laughs> Seattle, Washington, they have bus rapid transit mixed traffic, bus rapid transit exclusive, and commuter rail and light rail. So they're really doing stuff here. And then what's interesting to me about Vancouver, British Columbia is it has bus rapid transit, mixed traffic, commuter rail, uh, no mention of the frickin' SkyTrain. Which is a very big <laughs> deal. Light Metro, we're not gonna study that. Uh, and then it has Salt Lake City, which has huh. bus rapid transit mixed traffic. <laughs> yes, uh, we do. Commuter rail and light rail. They seem to have forgot that UVX exists in this study. This study is not very good. I would like to say that first of all, because 
as a lay person, I guess I'm not that much of a lay person anymore. But as a person who does planning recreationally, as a lay person without a degree, they missed a shit ton of stuff about like a lot of things that but, you could have found from Wikipedia. Like for example, um, according to this, the maximum speed of light rail is 55 miles an hour. Ah, uh, yes, that's. The, the government just said it can't go any faster. Except <laughs> it can. Not like tracks go 60 or 65 on yeah, the airport. Yeah, tracks can go 65 on the on the outer alignment. Yep. Hmm. And, and you can build does. a light rail system to that. You can um, build them even faster than that if you want. Yeah. Also, apparently, the maximum speed of commuter rail is 60 miles an hour. No, it's definitely <laughs> 79. It's I can go 79, baby, it's on ours. definitely 79. Yeah, or... You well, can go faster than that if you want it to. I mean, you just have to pay more. Yeah. So, so they, these are some interesting things. Also, they have some very interesting capacity numbers <laughs> um, for different modes of um, transit, which are definitely wrong. Because, like, let, let's just say their per hour directional capacity for a two car consist light rail system is a thousand people. No, it's definitely more than that. <laughs> it is way more than that. I think Portland would disagree with you. Yeah, I think they would. So. It's interesting what they th- what they think high capacity transit looks like. <laughs> um, yeah, and then they run down all these different corridors you could do it on, and like you know different modes and stuff. And then at the bottom they have this wonderful and completely nonsensical chart, which we're gonna have to send you a picture of because this is a government thing, so we can show you a picture of it. Oh, Ooh. it looks like a moon calendar. <laughs> yeah. So um. Who. who uh, how <laughs> so is these this are all clear? the these are okay. all the categories they ranked it on, right? Good wolf and, and these bike are access. the different modes and the different alignments. So they considered four major alignments: the Boise Cutoff, which we're going to talk about in a minute because it's really important; Fairview Cherry Lane, uh, Franklin, and I eighty four. Right. So great. Mm-hmm. Um, then they have all these different things that they evaluated it on, and the different moons. Yeah. So there's Central Business District connection, uh, cost effectiveness. <laughs> Funding potentials, opportunities for TOD. So, you know, general stuff. Um, And out of this wonderful chart, we'll show you the conclusion they came to. So, for the Boise cutoff, they have recommended BRT exclusive or commuter rail. Uh, For Fairview, they have recommended BRT mixed. For Franklin, they have recommended BRT mixed. And for I-84, they have recommended BRT mixed. I'm beginning to sense a theme. (laughs) Beginning... (laughs) They just want the government to pay for them to they, run buses. Oh, and then also for a different study, they recommended BRT mix for State Street as well, of course. What? Where's the light rail? Well, it's bad because it would cost too much and no one would ride it. Also, is, fed, is the, is the wait, literal really? conclusion of a government transit study is that light rail would cost too much and no one would ride it. What? This makes me mad if you can't tell. Oh, Despite geez. the fact that even in... Utah, where our light rail is not generally that competitive for speed. Okay, so so let me it. let me break this down to you for a moment. So their their brilliant plan to fix traffic on I eighty four, like categorically solve the problem. We're going to run mixed traffic BRT on I eighty four to fix traffic on I-84, which is so congested that it's dead. <laughs> and the buses won't get stuck in traffic at all because they'll fix it. Magically. Because that's how it works. 
Wow. So their plan to fix traffic on all of our super congested roads, and I cannot stress this enough to you, we didn't even build out our roads big enough. Like, most of our arterials are like two-lane country highways. <laughs> I'm not kidding. <laughs> like, they are so, all so congested. You try and drive through Nampa, it takes a half hour to get from my house to downtown Nampa at this point because 12th Avenue is so congested. Like, everything is just roiled in traffic all the time. And their brilliant plan to fix it is mixed traffic BRT that has to run in the traffic. And therefore will not be any better. You can see how I am outraged for my hometown. <laughs> so, uh, why would they come to that conclusion? Like, are they just... Well, and the reason they came to that conclusion is because they are counting on the fact that they will never be able to get any state funding. And, and that the makes federal government likes funding BRT at this present halfway. moment. Halfway. Oh. The federal government likes funding projects, first of all, halfway, and second of all, BRT projects, yes. So, let's say, because, for example, to build a light rail line between downtown Caldwell, which is at the very west end of the valley, and downtown Boise, which is most of the way east through the valley, it's about 20 miles, so you can guess with modern construction prices, it's going to cost you $2 billion, right? Reasonable. The federal government will pay for half of that. Wait, General. for light rail in 2022? Sure. Cool. That you, you can If you wrangle it right, you can get the feds to pay for that sort of okay, thing. Okay, so that's a billion dollars. What about the other billion? You have to come up with a billion dollars because the state's not going to help. Because normally what you get is like the federal government does like 30 40%, and then the state does like 30%, and then the localities are responsible for 30-some percent when you fund a transit project And like that, that way right? you like spread the burden around. Well... Let's say you can't get that 50% funding, first of all, and you get a more standard 35 or 40%. Suddenly, you have to foot the bill 60% in a locality that cannot levy a sales tax to pay to foot the bill. So or levy any other sort of tax so to pay to foot the bill. So first we have to make it legal to get money. Well, right. but <laughs> Before we can spend the but money. But they aren't thinking in big terms here because they're, a gov- they're an Idaho government agency <laughs> thinking in terms of the Idaho government. Which so their plan is, we're just going to get $5 million from the feds and we're going to use it to build a mixed traffic BRT that's going to cost $10 million total. And by build, we mean put some nice canopies at the nice, stops. Nice stops, yeah. That's basically it. That, that's crazy. And then they also say they consider commuter rail, but commuter sure. rail is even more cost prohibitive than light rail, so yeah. go for it, bud. So, oh, is there any other projects I want to get mad around here? Nope. All right. So, Compass is a failed organization in a failed state, and it just grinds my gears, as you can tell, every time I think about it, because there is no more perfect corridor in this country for a light rail line than the old freight corridor that is... That happens to run straight next to I-84 all the way to downtown Boise. All you got to do is build a bridge over the Boise River and you already have your corridor built for you. You don't have to do anything except improve grade crossings and, you know, new track because that track is not good. Um, well, but, you know. So the, 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 the past, Bo- past Boise metropolitan area has just come down from on high and handed president, present Boise metropolitan area the ideal corridor. Well... And the wonderful thing about building light rail on this corridor, it would be faster than driving, even yep. today. Yep. Like, you build a 65-mile-an-hour light rail on this corridor, it will be faster to get to downtown than it currently is 
our tracks averages our tracks light rail system built in aforementioned old freight corridor runs at 30 mile an hour average speed including stops outside of downtown yeah in the in the suburban areas which would be the bulk of the length here and our top speed's 55 and our station spacing is kind of all over the place yeah, but we have this wonderful mile grid, so you can have uniform mile station spacing almost all the way into the city. Top speed 65. Which is also the freeway in Boise's top speed, fun fact. <laughs> <sighs> it's so perfect. And I will link the like plan I made and how it could be funded. And I went into depth on this. I planned this out. And for $10 billion investment over 10 years, you no longer have traffic problems if you don't want to. Congratulations, we have unironically solved traffic. I'm just... This is a solvable problem. And I want to... I want to go to Boise and be, like, advocating for this, but the reality is it can't happen unless the state lets whoever is in charge of the thing levy a sales tax or some tax of some sort. That's all the state would have to do because you could get enough momentum in the the localities to get Well, and I calculated what the sales tax would need to be as well. So $10 billion over 10 years. On the low end, if we're assuming Salt Lake City costs of building, Mm -hmm. uh, we could estimate a total cost of $5.316 billion for a full build-out of a very good light rail system in Boise, Idaho. In whatever the hell today's construction costs that are doing. That is $100 million a mile is what I projected for the cost. Reasonable? Yes. So, if the state were to allow a local option sales tax increase of 2%, you would be able to raise $520 million a year, currently. And since the population is growing so uh. rapidly, by the end of a... 10-year term, you would have raised, first of all, $5.2 billion, so that pays for the whole thing. And second of all, since you already have federal funding to shove in there as well, of like 40%, so you have money for operations, yada, yada, yada. The point is, with a 2% local sales tax, you could build the thing and run it within 10 years without any bonds if you don't want to. Also, you could do bonds and get money from the federal government. And do it now. Yeah. 2% sales tax does... Sounds quite small compared to spending how many hours sitting in the parking lot well, on the way to downtown. And that's the great every thing day. is that like <laughs> our traffic is already terrible. Like people people want to pretend like forty minutes is a reasonable commute time to downtown. It's gonna be an hour. It's gonna be an hour. It's even worse if you're going to Micron, which is further down I eighty four, it's like seventy minutes. And a lot of people work at Micron. Well, understandable. Like, it is huge employment center. So what would it take to be able to change the legislative... um, Legislature's mind? Yeah. I don't know, because the Idaho legislature... The Idaho legislature is a (laughs) right-wing... And that's all I can say about it. So, Greater Utah State... (laughs) No, that wouldn't help very much, because our government hates building tracks lines now. (laughs) Of course. It you does. know, if actually fixing traffic with the $10 billion light rail system, if actually fixing traffic with light rail costs $10 billion, um, how much would quote unquote fixing traffic with freeway expansions and new freeways cost? 
Oh, I'm betting if because we're gonna need two or three more real freeways to probably accommodate. In addition that sort to an I-84 expansion. Uh, in addition to I-84 expansions, so we'd be looking at thirty, forty billion dollars. Which one of those numbers is bigger than the other? Well, and the thing about the plan I have here, right, is that most of the money that we're raising through sales tax is going to go to operations. And we can get federal we government can money. Immediately mm -hmm. run Salt Lake levels of service through the entire valley. Like 15-minute grid, basically, on the mile grid is possible for $520 million a year plus building light rail. I see why you get so heated now. I, I cannot describe how angry I get when I think about this because ever since Boise has started growing, area leaders have just like pretended it's not happening. Like that's always been the, the attitude in, in Idaho. We're just going to pretend the growth's not happening. Hopefully it'll go away <laughs> so we can go back to farming and shit. And in the meantime, we're just going to let the city sprawl out into our beautiful farmland <laughs> which we want, which we love so dearly because we're farmers and we like right. farming. Like Idaho's like is one of the most beautiful states in the country, easily. And the areas like driving out or just even you know I used to bike out into the country from my house because I live on the very edge of the suburbs where my family is. Just biking out into the country, it's so peaceful. It's just farms. There's corn. There's crap. There's a tractor puttering along along the road sometimes. And it's good for the environment. It's yes. an important part of the economy. We're not just sprawling out eternally. But every year, farms are just shoved into the grinder. And these are, like, not big corporate farms. Idaho doesn't have a big corporate farming thing. This is mostly, like, people who actually Individual live there, own their farms, are just being ground up by and the suburbanization in, machine. And turned into low-density, fully car-dependent housing developments. Without sidewalks. <laughs> <sighs> Like, the road outside my subdivision that I lived in before mm -hmm. I came here, no sidewalks. That's crazy. <sighs> you have to walk a half mile to the north to find a sidewalk. So... We're destroying beautiful farmland to build something that's not even good. Right. And it's just like, we're not even building, like, nice houses. We're building cookie-cutter Cory Barton Homes bullshit. And you only get the Cory Barton Homes reference if you're from Boise. But... And Hubble Homes. And, uh, what's the other one? Soterra. Like, just garbage replacing valuable, valuable, valuable farmland. Whereas we could be keeping the overwhelming majority we of that farmland and just building the build houses a light closer rail together. Line, or actually, I well, my proposal has three light rail lines. Light rail system. Light rail system. One runs along the Union Pacific alignment from downtown Caldwell to the Boise Spur, or whatever the hell it's called, into Boise. One runs along 12th Avenue in Nampa to that alignment, interlines into Boise. The other one runs along State Street, and then from there they branch off to the Veterans Hospital, Micron, and the airport. Easy as. 40 miles a track. And you're being quite... You're padding those construction estimates quite generously. Oh, I padded it, I padded it as hard as I could. Because the I hell know how transit projects work in this country. Unfortunately. So, it's just... And then, and then, get this. I'm so mad. We do infill development to house more people. Well, if you look at freaking downtown Boise, downtown Nampa, and downtown Caldwell, because we're unique in that we actually preserved historic city centers in all of our major cities. Not just one. Lucky. Not just one. Um, it's just a parking crater. It's still a parking crater. <sighs> it looks like the 1970s 
threw up all over it. <laughs> like, we're, we're literally 30 years behind in urban development for no reason. So you have perfectly good prime downtown land just sitting there because it's already been raised in a previous bit yeah. of development. Yeah. Well, you're 30 years behind, but doesn't that mean you have a 30-year head start on doing what we've done? Well, right. Like, <laughs> so it'd be so stupid Boise, not to? Boise is sitting exactly where the Salt Lake metropolitan area was sitting 25 years ago when they decided they were going to build the first tracks line. We have the same population, the same pollution problem. The only difference is we don't have more than one freeway. So the problem's even worse. And Salt Lake, despite having unlimited freeways and unlimited surface highways... Still has terrible pollution, still has terrible and congested traffic all the time. And we built the thing. And you know what it cost us here? The entire tracks and frontrunner system cost, I kid you not, under $4 billion to build out. Which pales in comparison to the goddamn Mountain View Corridor. Which in today's dollars is about a $4 billion project. For one freeway in the middle of bloody nowhere. <sighs> not to mention Frontrunner. Yeah, not to mention Frontrunner, which we don't even need. Because we're small and at the present, you don't not have, completely you don't have, like, spread out over four billion miles. You don't have Salt Lake's like multi-valley thing. No, we have one valley. <laughs> so all you and all you need is one 20-mile light rail line, and you've solved traffic. Congratulations, you're just like... We're not expanding the freeway anymore. Traffic sucks. Take the train. D done. And then it's faster too. <laughs> it's literally faster and significantly cheaper. Oh, and we can run the damn thing at five-minute frequency because it's all almost all in dedicated right of way. And you're gonna want the capacity. Yeah. <laughs> so you were talking earlier, urban growth boundary. Yeah, I think if I was made dictator of Idaho tomorrow there would be two things I would do number one I would start the EIS for the damn light rail line and number two I would establish an urban growth boundary around Boise because stop continuing at the current rate if we look at what the hundred thousand people have done to the farms that were current previously Meridian or that are now Meridian like that's a lot of farmland that they ate yeah. up with just 100,000 people. So if you extrapolate that across 2.7 million people, we're sprawling to frickin' Ontario, which is a city on the border with Oregon. Basically, it's absurd. <sighs> and I just, I feel bad for the people living in Boise, first of all, because they are going to have a significantly lowered quality of life by having no good transit options ever. And ev everything being full of cars all the time. Right. And I feel especially bad for the people living in Boise because they get to deal with, you know, just endless suburbanites driving their cars in. Which, as we know, is great for cities. Yeah, we love that here in Salt Lake, don't we? Mm-hmm. Sure. And they're not going to care because they're going to think it's like freedom and shit. Because they're a bunch of... Freedom to drive through downtown as fast as I want and park directly in front of businesses. Yeah. <laughs> God-given right. So I have no hope for Idaho, and... I wish I could because if I had any like sliver of hope, I would move back and start doing advocacy for this because it's a very compelling project if you think about it for very compelling seconds. in terms of the price tag, compelling economic well, benefits, right, compelling literally solves your problems. Well, let's pretend it's a more reasonable cost than hundred million dollars a mile because almost the whole darn thing's in dedicated right of way. Yeah. Let's say we can build the whole thing for three and a half billion. Okay. Right? Reasonable cost. Let's say we can do that. Well, then, congratulations. We have even more money left over for buses. 
And I think that 3.5 is to... a much more realistic estimate than like the 5 billion that I said. So it's not hard. This is a solvable pr- this is low hanging fruit of building a transit system. Yeah. And it just it just ticks me off all the time because God bless the people of VRT's heart. They are fighting a losing battle all the time with their $15 million trying to provide public And it being service. illegal for them to get more money. Yeah. Like, God bless those people. They are truly doing the Lord's work, but they are not... They are too busy barely staying afloat to try and dream big like this and to try and be like, we could do these other things if we wanted to. We could solve Boise's traffic. Literally. Literally. And I mean, there's always going to be traffic on the freeway because that's how freeways work. They always have traffic. They are always congested. You can't uncongest a freeway. But, but you, you can, can give do people an option to not be a part of that. It's a better option. An option to, first of all, like, be faster than the freeway. And second of all, not pollute the f- in there. So, <sighs> and, and the great thing about this, there is no public transit advocacy group in Boise. Not at all. And as far as I can tell, there is only something mildly resembling... The closest thing to any urbanist advocacy in Boise is a YIMBY group called Neighbors for Boise, which their whole thing is upzoning. Which is good. Because they're YIMBYs. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's kind of in the name. So maybe maybe the legislature aren't the only ones in denial about the growth. Maybe the people who just moved into their newly constructed cookie-cutter home are in denial that cookie-cutter homes are being built. Like, it's, it's just a disgrace. And it's sad. And Boise has such natural beauty around it and has such an opportunity to be just a beautiful city because the actual city of Boise itself is quite an excellent city. Like, it's it's really cool. But it's degraded every day by the fact that it has no transportation options, that it has terrible biking infrastructure. No offense, Mayor McLean, painted bike lanes are not infrastructure. Um, and then it just gets pummeled with cars and, and just, nothing else. And it's just a parking crater downtown. Like, it, it's a disgrace on what should be one of the most beautiful cities in this country. And we're just going to keep doing irreversible damage to the land around it. Yeah. And that's just good. That's going to be what happens until, you know, everyone just has electric cars there. And then oh, the great. roads will just wear out faster and they'll all die of brake dust instead of tailpipe emissions. Don't forget the extra tire rubber, too. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Sorry. So... Boise, peeps, um, if you're there, you should help. You should interact <laughs> with this podcast because I love my home. I shouldn't say my hometown because I'm not from Boise. I'm from Nampa. But I love my home region. I think it's a really special place, and I would love to improve it. And as far as I can tell, there are very few people who are even cognizant of the fact that there is anything wrong. <laughs> it's just the natural state of affairs for well, it to be a we'll just build, we'll just We'll just widen the freeway to three lanes in Canyon County, and that'll solve traffic. Gosh, this rail corridor is in, like, the, the center of, like, this long yeah, business we'll, we'll corridor along I-84. We'll put a Google Maps picture on the screen of that as well. But it's... Uh, that's the rail corridor, right in all that development. No way. Yeah, that's good, good stuff. Yeah, that's perfect. It's it's literally that's perfect. made to be. <laughs> yeah, and because obviously back in the day, there's you even a, a rail rails. spur that would lead you almost perfectly to a flyover bridge into Boise downtown, like, and it's next to the hospital as well. That it runs right next to the mall <laughs> already. Like that's the mall right there. That's the rail corridor we would be using. It's just there. 
It's just waiting to be used. Yeah. Oh, and then look at this. Wow. A rail spur that leads directly to the valley's largest employment center, Micron Technology, mm. that we could use branching off of... <sighs> it seems too good to be true. It's not, because <laughs> this, was, this was how towns were built back in the day. You built your stuff around good freight rail service and around inner urbans. Yep. So we're seeing good bones left behind by the predecessors of modern Boise. And they're just there waiting to be used. Yeah, and I mean, once again, you can't blame the people at VRT. They are... They're doing their God best. God knows they are doing their best. <laughs> barely any money. Like, holy cow, how did they manage... How are their buses, like, in one piece? How did they manage to provide coherent service to most of Boise, I don't know. That, that's but like, just crazy. You know, the fun fact is that the one and the two get more ridership than the entirety of VRT. So, I mean, combined, obviously, not, yeah. not separately. Like the 217. <laughs> <laughs> and UVX may have more departures by itself than the entirety of... Oh. <laughs> than the entirety of And it's not VRT. even a big route. No. So... There's my Boise rant. Once again, if you're in Boise and this is something you're concerned about and you're thinking about, let's get together, let's organize, because we... It's got to start somewhere. It's an unsustainable course of action that they're taking, and it's not going to get better unless unless we build high-capacity transit that is not mixed-traffic BRT. <laughs> so, that's the Boise episode. Like I said, it's mostly just arranged rambling. Um... I thought it was pretty well-arranged rambling. Well-arranged rambling. Yeah. Yeah. So thank you for listening. Please remember to like, comment, and subscribe on YouTube, and to leave us a rating on iTunes and Spotify. Uh, no, seriously, we would like your feedback. Please comment, because we will interact. I answer almost all comments every time. So um, and you want to pull up patrons? <laughs> Ouch, you're making me doing that, do yeah. this. So anyway, like, comment, subscribe, comment extra because that's very helpful to us. And thank you for our patrons for helping us out by correcting us on our early access episode releases. Yeah. That's much appreciated. Then we can get all that out. Yeah, and you should subscribe episode. to Patreon because, fun fact, it has bonus content. It does. One there, whole bonus based content. Based on tier, you can get a bonus episode and in future bonus episodes and also early access to all of our episodes by subscribing to our Patreon. Yeah. Yeah. Our patrons are Zach Adams at Frontrunner Double Check 90 Mile an Hour Express Tier, $20 <laughs> per month. <laughs> um, at Current Frontrunner Tier, Curtis Herring, Mike Christensen, and Phobos2390. At Redline Tier, $5, we have Christopher Whaley, Brian Smith, Jacob Whitecotton, and Robert P. Walsh. And then at the Blue Line Tier, at $3, we have Ben Busat, DJ Will Watkins. I will. Ethan McDonald and Martine Hecker Martinez. Uh, yeah, thanks everybody for listening to my deranged rant. This is gonna be a long fucking episode. Yep. Ooh. Bye. Voicey be like. Jesus Christ! I just I can't think about it. It's so, so mad. It's such low hanging fruit. It would fruits. be so easy. You just need put the train in the train corridor. The starting corridor. <laughs> the like, starting corridor would be literally like less than two billion dollar investment. It's like putting the right shape. And shaped. it can move more people than I eighty four. And consistently. Yeah, I don't think we could do four car trains though. That would be an issue with Boise. Is Why? that we have small blocks. Oh, this is the downtown. 
And as much as I would love to say a downtown subway is a good idea, we've seen how that worked out for Austin, literally doubling the cost of their light rail project. So I would say we skip that, especially for a smaller metro. There you go. There's, you guys have finally learned my entire rant about Boise.